Podcast where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. So around the holidays, I'm minding my own business at an Insights Association happy hour in Dallas, Texas. I think I was talking to Jason Thomas from Symmetric. We often talk music, and he said, Oh, surely you know Travis over there. And I said, No, actually, I don't know Travis. Uh, and we were talking about metal at the time. So, hey, Travis knows a lot about metal. And I think he plays the drums. And I'm like, wait a second. Uh, so so I had to uh, cut that conversation off. Sorry, Jason. Uh, and I uh, had a great chat with Travis. Uh, and happy to be talking more here on the podcast. So real quickly about Travis. He's the VP of sales of the West region in North America for Pure Spectrum, right? Uh, where it's been for almost six years. And Pure Spectrum is really, you know, one of the true innovators in the sample space in uh, in market research. So that's really cool. But he's been in research for something like 15 years. We have over 200, 200 people in common on LinkedIn. I can't believe we hadn't met beforehand, uh, but super excited that we have now. So welcome to the show, Travis. Yeah, Matt. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, it's great to meet you at the event. I mean, very few people come up to me and go, I heard you're into death metal. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so we were, we were like instant best friends at that event. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> you can't beat it. Okay, so uh, we will get to death metal. We definitely will. I sure hope we do. Uh, but let's start here. So you've been in insights for like 15 years. How did you, how did you first fall into the space? And what, what kept you around? Yeah, sure. So uh, I actually kind of, interestingly enough, kind of got started in college, which I feel like so many people say, oh, I, I just kind of ended up in research and I yeah. was in school and I was kind of thinking, I got to get a job after school, right? And right. I like to do a lot of projects with local businesses. And in my consumer behavior class, uh, I got the opportunity to work with the city of Thousand Oaks here in California on their uh -huh. uh, new mall expansion. So our team put together some surveys. We went out to the community and asked local businesses what they thought about, you know, shopping in Thousand Oaks. And we went out to 200 different um, consumers at the Thousand Oaks Mall and asked them about their shopping experiences. And then that actually ended up becoming a legal city document, which they used in the consulting of designing the mall, which is really cool. Wow, um, that's cool. It's kind of cool now. I walk through the mall and you see everything, how it's changed. And, you know, some of the, our suggestions went to that. Um, then that opened the door for me to meet the team at, uh, JD Power and Associates, who's okay. Westlake Village, uh, where I'm close to now. And, um, you know, I really wanted to be on their automotive product team. I, I'm a car guy, uh, as much yeah. as I'm a music guy. And I just thought, Hey, I know something about market research and I know a lot about cars. I'm, I'm sure I can bring something to this team. And after bugging them for about six months, uh, for Perfect. a few different interviews, I found my place on one of their teams and, uh kind of how i got my start and it's uh kind of just ramped up since then yeah super cool and and it's been about close to six years right that you've been at pure spectrum has that situation been any different than what you've done before yeah so you know jd power was a great start for me in the industry the team i was on was um you know so educated in research but i got to spend a lot of time with the account team so i got to right. work hands-on with the clients and that kind of just drew me that side of the business and a couple of buddies of mine who went to SSI were like, Hey, you would be great on the vendor side. Yeah. Like you're so technical and you understand research, but you're also so personable. Um, we could use you on the team. So I went and joined that team and was there for almost seven years um, and oh, cool. really helped develop the West coast presence 
with a number of people who are now leaders in the industry and still in the industry. Um, and at some point I kind of decided I want to go more of the technology side and I uh, had gone to confirm it. Um, and then while I was at confirm, I got to know Michael McCrary, who's the founder of Pure Spectrum. Yeah. We live close to each other and he kind of shared some things that he was doing and it were total game changers, innovators. It was so much different than just send me a bid and how much can you do and who's going to be the cheapest price. It was much more around like integrations and automations and platforms. And that got my, my mental brain really spinning and I just wanted to be a part of the team. So, so yeah, six years, I was in like, I think probably 10 or 11, we're like close to 250 around the world now. Um, yeah. So it's been really fun to be a part of the team and help grow the business and kind of do some innovative new things in the industry. You know what? I really love that story because I have also been on the receiving end in the past of one of those really inspiring, oh my gosh, we're going to change research in this way kind of conversations with uh, Michael McCrary. So uh, he can definitely get you excited about, about new ideas. So that's really cool. Yeah, he sure can. Yeah, awesome. Okay, uh, so let's let's talk it, man. You you have been playing music for a long time, but how did you first become interested? How did drums become part of it? Give us give us a story. Yeah, man, it's a pretty wild, fun story. So my dad is a guitarist, okay, and um, you know he was like a hair metal lead guitarist dude, like the eighties. And so you know, when I was born, I was born into the the peak of MTV. And yeah. I was just exposed to music and bands and, you know, I could sing Guns N' Roses before I could sing the alphabet. And it was just like, <laughs> it was, you know, it was just kind of part of our, our family and our house. And my dad's band rehearsed in the, um, the garage. So when I was like four okay. or five years old, me and my other brother would um, sneak into the garage and we'd want to go see the instruments when they weren't rehearsing during the day. Yeah. And um, one afternoon we stuck a, one of those, you know, toy bow and arrows like yeah. in Cowboys and Indians into yeah, the speaker cabinet. Cup. Yeah, of the speaker cabinet. And yeah. they finally were like, okay, we're giving you a drum set and a toy guitar. We're going to keep you guys out of the rehearsal space. <laughs> um, and I had a little Sony, um, I still have it. It's probably somewhere in this room of like a, a cassette player. And I had a, the Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure soundtrack. Okay. Plug it in and then like hit the drums to the, to the music. Yeah. And my dad came home one evening and was like, hey, he's actually like playing to the time. Like yeah. he's actually playing, like not playing drums, but like not just randomly hitting things. So right. he would jam with me in the evenings and we would just do little three chord jams. And then we kind of matured and he just kind of was like, dude, I show you something and then you can play it. And so yeah. I kind of had this natural ability at five, six, seven years old to, to play the drums. And so we would jam, you know, some Ramones, some Beatles, just some really basic stuff. Um and then that kind of progressed into then taking drum lessons and, um, you know, then even further down the road of more of that. Um, you know, I, I never took drums really seriously when you're a little kid. You have so many distractions. Right. Um, but I always knew I kind of had a talent and I could do it and I enjoyed it. And um, it wasn't until I moved to a new neighborhood. I was like 13 where a couple of kids play guitar. And now all of a sudden around kids my age that played music and it wasn't just my right. dad or my, my brother. Yeah. And then you kind of start making some music, start playing in garage bands. And then, yeah, I mean, I did as much music as I could in high school, took all the music classes, studied with numerous different percussion people, built a home recording wow. studio in our house. So my friends wow. would come over and record their bands. Me and my dad would record stuff. Yeah, uh, It was pretty much just all I wanted to do. I was not a good student in high school. It was music, <laughs> music, music, music. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. That that is really cool. So, do you have 
Um, were you more on the recording side? I, you met, I know you mentioned that, but did you play in live bands that were playing out or what does that look like for you? Yeah, my first kind of exposure to playing on a stage, uh, I think I was like eight years old and me and my dad played some like local community talent show thing. And that was kind of cool. Um, and then when I was 13, I played at the middle school and then that was like a big deal. It was like all the kids were so pumped on it. And I was like, this is this is awesome. Like that feeling of playing music in front of people. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, full on garage bands, we'd play at friends parties. Um, Yeah. you know, it, it would even just come over and hang out in the, the house and we'd record something. Like, let's just like, you know, get on the computer. We would, it wasn't even rock and roll. Sometimes we would just like do like beats and different things, like whatever we could come up with. Um, Yeah. but uh, yeah, recording, playing live, whatever we could get our hands on music wise, we were totally into it. Yeah, cool. So I have to ask, you know, because I'm a, a drummer as well. Um, who are there any drummers that that particularly moved you or spoke spoke to you and that you really grabbed onto and were influenced by? Yeah, I think younger, you know, I didn't really understand. You have the bands you like, you know, and you don't understand how they're going to shape you until you get older. Right. And, you know, probably one of the first bands for me would have been Van Halen and Alex Van Oh, Halen. oh, yes, yes, And, absolutely. you know, my dad being a guitarist, obviously I was exposed to Van Halen, but Alex is such a phenomenal drummer, the underrated brother of that duo for sure. Without Um, question. and he's not the flashiest, craziest dude, but it really helped me build my rhythm and time. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I would say Rage Against the Machine, you know, Yeah. they had a huge influence on me. And that was a little bit different than what I had grown up around, like the hair metal stuff. And that's when I kind of just started developing my, my own ear. And I was listening to the radio a lot. So I had playing and getting into skateboarding. I was starting to get exposed to more punk rock type of music, um, like Pennywise, Bad Religion. And I didn't really know who those drummers were. But the first drummer that like blew my mind was John Bonham. And I had moved to that new town that I was talking about. I didn't have access to K-Rock anymore, which is the Los Angeles alternative rock that turned me on to Nirvana and Foo Fighters and all that alternative rock stuff. But the first time I heard Black Dog by Led Zeppelin, I was like, what is this? And I got mad at my dad. I'm like, like, who's Led Zeppelin? Like, why haven't you never shown me this before? And John Bonham really became like, that is who I want to play drums like. And I then understood all my favorite drummers were influenced by him. The second would then be Neil Peart, of course. Um, Yeah. the first I heard Tom Sawyer on the radio, I was like, okay, hey, now what's this? And then Yeah. that opened the door to all the prog rock and metal Yes. stuff. Yes. And it was so out of control. But um, so many drummers, I mean, Iron Maiden, uh, you know, Nico McBrain and Nicole that whole McBrain, absolutely. yeah, just endless drums. And it was just like, that's what I want. <laughs> you know, Yeah. it was so cool. Oh, so so awesome. There's so many bands there that that Uh, that we intersect on for sure. And I could talk about it forever, but okay. So you had a very unusual situation, right? You're exposed to music constantly. Then you go off to college and all this sort of thing. So curious to know if, if there's anything that you can point to from that background in music that you carried forward to your professional career or maybe even vice versa. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think music was one of those things I had to make a decision at 18 years old. Like, do I want to go sit behind a drum kit and try to make a living? Um, I really love music and I really love being with my friends in a garage band and doing things that I went and did some auditions and tried to do the career side of it. And it just didn't work for me. But I would say that, you know, if you find something that you're passionate about, Yeah. Uh-huh. it makes life so much easier. And when you become engaged in whatever that is, and I realize that I have so many things that I'm interested in. And so many things I want to apply my time to. 
that music will always be there for me. Um, you know, in research today, like I've said, you know, in the conversations and things we're doing at Pure Spectrum keep that brain moving for me. And, you know, yeah. I think doing research, like writing a survey can be like writing a song, right? Like so many songs have the same kind of feel and you know what you kind of want out of that song yeah. and out of that research survey, but you don't know what the song is going to sound like until you get the data, right? And you get the data and then, yeah. you know, what's the reaction to the data. So I think there's a lot of core levels, but I think that if you find something you're passionate of, just continue to do that thing. And um, you'll find other people who are passionate about that and, you know, you'll do great things regardless of whatever you're working on. Yeah. You know what? I love that so much. I've never thought about that, that a questionnaire and a, and writing a song could share some similarities. And I just, just this morning had this big collaborative session with a bunch of us uh, working out a questionnaire. And one thing I did realize is that it was a whole lot better uh, with all of us involved rather than just one of us sitting down and, and pounding it out. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think being in a band teaches you collaboration too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's those bands that have like that leader and they got to have that songwriter, that genius. Yeah. But when you have a group of people where you take that idea and it's like, well, hey, I've got an idea on top of that idea. And yeah. then what you thought was going to happen. I love hearing bands talk about that. Like like Metallica, when they talk about writing Enter Sandman, which is probably their biggest hit ever, one of the biggest hits ever. And yeah. that that riff, Kirk was just playing the first part of that riff over and over again. And Lars was like, no, like break it out and then do yeah. it break it about four times. And then they wrote that. And that just then becomes their biggest song. One of the biggest songs of all time. You know, everyone knows yeah. that song. So it's just interesting to hear, you know, that collaboration. I think that can transfer into other things as well. Yeah, cool. Totally agree. Um, all right. So I want to switch gears here a little bit because, you know, Pure, Pure Spectrum has always intrigued me because I think they brought a totally different approach, a way of thinking to the industry and really kind of changed it when it comes from a, a participant sourcing standpoint. So you've been there since the, almost the beginning. So based on where you're sitting, what does the future of research look like from your perspective? What's important? Yeah, great question. You know, I think the future um, has a lot of excitement, definitely a lot of technology. Um, you know, I think that what we're, we're focused on at Pure Spectrum is, you know, there's two biggest expenses for a lot of these market research agencies and it's humans and then, you know, do the work and then it's your research data collection budget. Um, and, right. you know, there's so much that goes into that operation and how can you make that easier for everybody? How mm -hmm. can you make it a little more streamlined? Yeah, I think data quality is continuing to be a challenge in our industry um, yep. and we're constantly battling that. And, you know, we're finding ways of how can we use machine learning um, and how can we use data analytics and other technology to help combat the, the fraud that's going on in our industry. Um, yeah, I think we are going to continue to kind of spearhead a lot of that. I think there's a lot right. of creative companies coming out that are doing a lot of that type of work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen some really cool stuff around AI for moderation and more qual surveys. That's really interesting. Right. Um, I've seen some people try to do uh, AI data in quant, but quant's one of those things. It's, you know, something can look like this on paper, but then when you actually start looking at, you know, uh, respondents and calculating the data out, it can go a little bit of a, a different path. So, you know, I think a lot of the big data and how we can find data faster. So like one example was like IR tests, interest rate tests, right? Yep. And they're kind of can be a pain in the butt. Um, we've actually developed through ChatGPT a tool internally that we can use to look at incidence rate quickly. There's so much data oh, that's cool. at our yeah. fingertips. Like, why do we need to go ask more people this question or spend my, more time or money on this when 
it's right there. Well, how do we get that into the fingertips of the humans who are actually doing this? So I think there's going to be a lot of technology. It's going to like make all of our jobs a lot easier. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're at Pure Spectrum pushing for that, but also helping other agencies push for that as well and opening the door. You know, I've always said that research is kind of like an elephant, um, that it's mm-hmm. big, it gets scared easily and it never forgets. And I think <laughs> a lot of things, I've seen a lot of change happen in the 15 years I've been in research. Um, I really like that research isn't the first adopter, right? Um, you know, we're not the pioneers who get the arrows, we're the settlers that get the land. And we want to make sure things yeah. are going to work and look good um, when that happens. And so I'm really excited to see how our industry adopts these technologies that are coming in. I think there's a huge future for respondents and panels. Um, you know, how is it that I can log into my phone and I get face verification for like financial apps? Yeah. Uh, why can't we do that for respondents and surveys? You know, why can't we tap in? I mean, how many people have a phone and they're on the internet? We haven't tapped into that huge um, population of people that could take surveys or could be interested in, in being incentivized a certain way. I think we have tapped a very good part of that, but there's a much broader area where research could be exposed to people. Um, and I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see more of that, um, which is going to open up a, a lot of different types of respondents and um, more markets. I mean, we've already seen it for five years, but I think it's going to continue to go that path even further. Yeah, there's something I like in the in the way you talked about AI there, where um, so often it's like big, squishy, oh, it's going to change the world. And, and that's true, right? But then what are those, you know, at the end of the day, what are those practical applications that are going to make yeah. your job easier? And I love that example of incidence rate testing, which is a big pain point, right? Uh, and it takes time and usually you're in a hurry and all that sort of thing. And that, that's like a tangible application, a small one, but a tangible application. And that's what I'm really looking for in this AI stuff. You know, what's what's it going to, how's it going to change what I do on a day-to-day basis? So cool stuff. Um, all right. So let's talk, this is a podcast, right? It's, it's media. Uh, we're all busy people. Curious to know with that limited time that you have, the media that you consume, what are you turning to for Big question. Insight, inspiration, or enjoyment? Yeah, I think YouTube has become my number one media of choice. I think it has been for a long time. I was a cord cutter years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't like sitting and watching random commercials with random things on TV. I'm pretty specific, the things I like. I'm also really into kind of fringe things, right? Like music and action sports. I'm really big into surfing and motocross and car stuff. And there's kind of content now that's available to users, you know, like guys like you and I can go create content and put it online and other people right. can watch it. And that's interesting to me, you know? Um, yeah. There's a lot of great TV shows that people are into. It's not really me. I, there's, I do have my, my binge worthy shows, but for sure. me, I, I would love to sit down and watch someone working on cars or they're enthusiastic about something. If I'm getting 10, 15 minutes to chill out, you know, um, if I'm on a flight for three, four hours, I love yeah. that Delta has unlimited Wi-Fi now. So I can watch all my YouTube channels. I can catch up on my vloggers and um, DIY stuff around the house. It's so much fun yeah. to like go on and see, hey, this is how I did this thing. And here's what I'm working on. Yeah. Um, YouTube has opened the doors for people to create their own content. I've even created some of my own automotive content for fun. Um, oh, cool. There's some car community stuff that I've done where I've just been at a car show. So I filmed the whole show and put some cool music behind it and edit it. And then, um, yeah, I put it online and all of a sudden I'm meeting people around the world that couldn't attend that show and they were asking yeah. me questions. And then it's like, Hey, if you're in California, hit me up. And then before you know it, you're like networking, connecting with people. So yeah. I love YouTube for that. Um, Instagram as well, I think is, is a really awesome tool. Mm-hmm. 
And then for work, LinkedIn a lot, but I'm not a big LinkedIn poster, uh, right. but I do like seeing content and I like seeing a lot of articles um, that are on there as well. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, so so this is what I really want to talk about, right? So we, we talked a little bit about music, you know, when we, when we were at the happy hour there, a uh, little bit about it today, but at the end of the day, and, you know, think about how this question is worded, Travis. Think about it. So you're stranded on a desert island, right? You have three records of your choosing to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are those records? Oh, man. So I've already said how much music I consume. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't mention iTunes either. Like, the amount of music I go through is absolutely it's I will sit for hours and just look for bands. If I like this band, and how, like, how do I go down this path? And yeah, I'm sure you're the same way, Matt, in our, our short conversations totally. we've had, um, <laughs> especially in the metal and hard rock scene. It's just endless. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a little bit of fun with these questions because you did prepare me. And there's no <laughs> way I could answer this. And so I'm going to have some kind of wild, you're gonna, wild you're gonna answers. Cheese, aren't you? You're going to cheat. No, okay, go ahead. Yeah, all right. Some wild answers. I had some fun with this. So first, right. research podcast, I'm going to do some data. So um, the number one album I streamed this year was a band called Thrice. And it's an huh? album called Artist and the Ambulance. And it's the revisited version. And it's one of my yeah. favorite albums of all time. And it's been they redid it 20 years later. And they kind of did it with their newer style. And that's an album I've loved for 20 years. It's the yeah. album I do the most that iTunes tells me. So yeah. I would think that if I had that album, I could probably listen to it endlessly and not get sick of it. Cool. Um, which is different than some of these other bands. I know like Beatles and Led Zeppelin, there's all these great bands out there, but for whatever yeah. reason, that one just iTunes tells me, let's use some data. That's what it would be. Um, <laughs> another totally random one that a lot of people are going to be like scratching their heads on, but I love new music and finding new things. I've yeah. listened to, you know, so many albums live rent free in my head forever. And yeah listen to, to stuff and play drums to stuff i love finding new music so a new band that I actually just found um they're based out of indonesia they're kind of like a like a how do i explain them like a caribbean i think is the name of the band but they have like a santana Jimi hendrix feel and it's all instrumental and they're called ali or ali yeah ali i think yeah. um and they did a, an album um uh what was the name of the album hold on let me look it up i'm gonna cheat yeah, no, I love this. I love getting new music. I've I've listened to this. This has been actually my primary method for finding new music is talking to people on the podcast. Yeah. It's great recommendations. Go ahead. So the album's called Malacca by a band called Ali, A-L-I. Okay. Uh, based out of Indonesia. And I found them while I was watching a surfing video on YouTube. <laughs> I'm the music. And, uh, you know, I've spent time on remote islands and I'm a big time surfer. So if there's some waves, I need some music, they'll get me into a groove. Yeah. And, uh, it's got great percussion, great guitar work, um, just a great album. So highly recommend if anyone's into that style of music, go check them out. Love it. Now, third choice, man, it's got to be a metal album. And yes. you and I talked about this. I know you've been <laughs> waiting for someone to give this answer. So, man, no. I'm going to go with uh, Slayer's Rain and Blood. Oh, dude! happened <laughs> rain and blood by slayer yes i will be that guy it is one of my favorite metal bands or metal albums of all time and metal bands um you know it's a great album and i would probably have a lot of laughs listening to that one knowing that we had this podcast um but also at some point i'm probably gonna want to build a raft or do something crazy um and that album would get me hyped up to uh either try to get survived or just keep my my brain somewhat balanced while i'm uh by myself for the rest of eternity <laughs> oh my god i love it so much i love it so much you know um it just is one of those albums that 
of a genre is pure perfection. You know, I could think of other genres and like, what is the album that is pure perfection? Slayer, Rain and Blood for metal. Done deal. You know, that album for me is it's a turning point of are you going to like metal or not? Because you've got Metallica, <laughs> you've got some System of a Down, some other heavier stuff over the years. Yeah. But that album is an album you listen to, and there's no halfway fans at that point. It's <laughs> yes. either this is my this is my future, and this is what I'm into, and it's going to open up a whole new world for me, or yes. it's not quite for me, and, and that's not the path I'm headed. And it's the people that know it. It's like, yep, Slayer, Rain and Blood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is that is the album that is the turning point for metalheads totally true i'll never forget about it the day it came out i'll never forget how i felt uh, after my brother and i put it on for the first time it was like oh my god it was life-changing how intense it was it's just <laughs> never had a feeling like that before with another record never quite as intense as slayer's reign of blood so i love it <laughs> Super cool. Travis, well, it I can't believe that 15 years have passed with us both in the industry here at the same time, and this is the first time we met. I sure hope it's not the last because we've got a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> We'd love to follow up on a few of these topics. So um, definitely stay in touch. Let's talk soon, man, and rock and roll. Right on, Matt. Thank you very much. Bye.